0: I seek refuge with Allah from Satan, the accursed. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful. Assalamu alaikum alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa May the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome to another episode of The Breakfast Show here on the Voice of Islam radio station. You're listening to myself, Samar, and Mubarak zamini And we will be with you, God willing, all the way up until 9 o'clock. So if you do have any questions, any remarks, any comments that you'd like to make, please feel free to do so. The number for you, as always, is 0208-687-7878. And of course, you can hit us up on our socials, on Twitter and on Instagram at voiceofislamuk. We are talking about some very interesting topics today. The first one being HRW annual report shows that global leaders are failing to uphold human rights. Uh, So that's what we'll be getting into after the roundup of the news. And in the second hour, The second segment is study finds that shouting at children is as damaging as physical abuse. So uh, if you are getting up uh, early in the morning listening to the Voice of Islam radio station getting your children ready for school uh, make sure you don't uh, indulge in this as well and we will be speaking about the actual uh, damaging effects of this uh, in the second hour so do do stay tuned for that and if you would like to contribute then remember by all means this is your radio station and we do love for you to get involved so do pick up the phone and voice your opinion. 0208 687 7878 is the number for you. Um, before we get into these segments um, and and uh, just uh, by the way as well, um, if uh, if time permits, uh, we may or may not be able to. If we're not able to today, then we'll speak about it possibly next week or in the, uh, in the weeks to come. But uh, we might also touch on homelessness in London as well. Um, living in cars and emergency accommodation. Um, uh, but but this is only if uh, if time permits. Um, but yeah, like I was saying, before we get into all of these, we'll be, we'll be doing the roundup of the news. Uh, but even before that, Mubarak, how are you doing this fine morning? As-salamu alaykum. Yes, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very good, Alhamdulillah. And yourself? Very good, very good, by the grace of Allah the Almighty. I mean, the, the, the weather, uh, I mean, especially today, uh, it is uh, 7 o'clock in the morning and uh, it, it doesn't seem... Or it, it, at least driving in today, it didn't seem as cold. Uh, cars weren't frosty either. So, yeah. so, so, so the weather the weather's looking all right today. Yeah, it's,
1: it's it's a bit it's a bit better than than it was. Um, you know, since the last couple of weeks. Um, I mean, when I was walking into the studio this morning, it was about six, seven degrees, and 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 that's not bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, wearing a body warmer, walking around is is perfect. Uh, it's 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 a perfect weather. At the moment, even over the last few days, mm-hmm. um, getting into the latest forecast for the UK today, the southeast will will start cloudy with a few uh, uh, lingering spells of rain. It will turn dry later with cloud breaking and sunny spells de- developing. Elsewhere, it will ma- be mainly dry and and bright, cooler. Tonight will be dry for most of the UK with patchy cloud and lengthy clear spells. A chance of fog and mist in the south. It will become windy in the north, a few showers for the western Isles. Tomorrow turning turning cloudy in the north with rain moving in from the west, followed by scattered showers later. The south will start bright, but it will turn cloudier later, staying mainly dry. And the outlook for Thursday to Sunday is mild and and cloudier for many on Thursday. Northwestern Scotland will see spells of rain whilst England and Wales will continue to be dry and will still see bright spells at times. Cloudy and breezy for most on Friday. Rain spells will push into the northwest at times throughout the day, staying mild. Saturday, will see similar conditions but the north will trend cooler. So um, there's your outlook for the weather. And yes, it's it's just going to be a bit... Um, a bit wet and everybody just just keep your umbrella with you if you're um, be, if you're a pedestrian mm. and if you're driving just stay safe as as always yeah
0: i mean uh, it's it's not that time uh, of the year yet in which uh, you pack away your your raincoat and uh, and your brolly isn't it so, so just just a couple of weeks couple of months more and uh, god willing we'll be able to do that as well yes Um, So the newspaper headlines royals on road to recovery and farmers besiege Paris. Um, So most of uh, well, many of today's papers carry images of King Charles, who has left uh, hospital after treatment for an enlarged prostate. The Guardian has a picture of the monarch smiling and waving to a few members of the public as he left the private London clinic on Monday afternoon with Queen Camilla by his side. The paper leaves with a story centering on a deal to address what, desc- what it describes, the worsening financial crisis hitting town halls across the country, quote unquote. The paper says officials in Michael Gove's uh, levelling up department have told local authority bosses they expect the maximum possible 4.99% increase to be applied to council tax in April, adding about £100 to a typical Band D council tax bill.
1: Royals on Road to Recovery is the headline on Tuesday's Metro as the paper reflects on the news of King Charles and the Princess of Wales, both leaving the central London hospitals where they were being treated. Kate departed privately almost two weeks after she had an abdominal operation at the London Clinic. King King Charles, accompanied by the Queen, waved to a few well-wishers as he walked out three days after being admitted for treatment for an enlarged prostate. The king smiles and waves in the main image at the top of the paper.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, the Daily Telegraph leads with French farmers who, on Monday, began moving hundreds of tractors in an effort to blockade key routes into the French capital, termed the Siege of Paris, quote unquote. The paper says farmers are arguing they are being hit by falling incomes, environmental regulations, rising red tape, and competition from imports. Also on the paper, it says the White House is drawing up plans for revenge strike, quote-unquote, on Iranian militia, while in domestic news, the broadsheet reports NHS prescriptions will be delivered by Uber as part of a new initiative to improve access to medication. The Times leads
1: with claims Tehran is using criminal gangs as proxies. Police tell the paper as Britain sanctioned spies over plot to kill Persian-language journalists in London. The paper says Iranian descendants living in the UK have been warned by counter-terror police in the past fortnight of an increased risk of violence and kidnap. Elsewhere, the king is also pictured leaving the London clinic
0: after his stay in hospital. England and Manchester United striker Marcus Rashford is the centre of Tuesday's story in The Sun – the tabloid claims the 26-year-old was axed from Sunday's FA Cup squad against Newport County after missing training following, the, uh, following two days of drinking in Belfast. Manchester United say forward Rashford has taken responsibility for his actions, quote unquote, after reports emerged he was seen in night sports in northern London on Wednesday and Thursday evening. A United Statement read, this has been dealt with as an internally disciplinary matter, which is now closed, quote In other news, Foreign Secretary
1: David Cameron is planning to make his first major speech since rejoining the government in the weeks coming, the I reports. The paper says he is expected to say the world is now more dangerous than any time since the Cold War, as he pushes for the UK to strengthen its defences against the hostile actors. The eye also features people who harbour regrets about getting a pet during the coronavirus lockdown periods. Mm -hmm.
0: Interesting. Members, Members of the royal family are also pictured on the front of Tuesday's Daily Express. The tabloid says the Princess of Wales was discharged from the private London clinic following her successful abdominal surgery on 16th of January. The paper says Kate is now heading home to uh, Adelaide Cottage in Windsor where she will continue her recovery with her husband Princess, uh, Prince William sorry, and their three children. The Express's leads, uh, lead story focuses on a new fast-track quote-unquote NHS test which it says will save lives.
1: The Daily Mail claims the Prime Minister is at war with rail bosses over the walkouts. The paper quotes Rishi Sunak venting his frustration, blaming Aslev's leader leadership of showing no interest in resolving the ongoing dispute. Although there have been no formal talks since April 2023, Aslav says it is continuing to seek better pay for its
0: members. The Tower 22 military base in northeast Jordan features on the front of the Financial Times, the location where three US soldiers were killed in a drone strike. The paper notes the White House saying the U.S. is not looking for a war with Iran, quote unquote, while Tehran has distanced itself from strike as Republican pressure builds on Joe Biden to respond. The lead story focuses on gambling group Flutter, which owns Paddy Power, on plans to quit the UK's FTSE uh, 100 index by moving its main listing to New York. It says uh, this would deal another blow to London's ailing equity market. Finally, the
1: Daily Star claims a beluga whale who went AWOL from, from Vladimir Putin's army has found a new forever home. The tabloid says the whale was found by a Norwegian fisherman with a harness around it and a sign attached which read Equipment St. Petersburg. Locals believed it had been spying for Russia, the paper says. Most of Tuesday's newspapers have front page images of the King and and Catherine, the Princess of Wales, who left the central London hospital where they were both being treated. Royals on Road to Recovery declares the Metro as it leads on the King and Princess of Wales being discharged from the private London clinic after surgery. The Daily Mail reports the Princess of Wales has reunited with her children for the first time in two weeks because they were not taken to visit her in hospital. It says she is not expected to do any official engagements until after Easter. A picture of health is the accompanying caption of an image of the king on the front of the Daily, Daily Telegraph. The paper said King Charles waved to crowds and said he is grateful for everyone's kind wishes as he departed London clinic accompanied by the Queen. The Daily Express had a similar image of King Charles with the paper's message to the royals, wishing you both well. The tabloid reports the King could be off work for a month following his three-night stay in the Melbourne Hospital. In other domestic news, dismay as households face £2 billion cancelled tax increase is the Guardian's lead. It reports officials in the levelling-up department have told council bosses in England they expect bill payers to get the maximum possible rise of almost 5% from April. A government spokesperson said councils are responsible for their own finances, but they should be mindful of cost-of-living pressures. The Times has learnt Iranian descendants living in the UK have been warned by counter-terrorism police in the past fortnight of an increased risk of violence and kidnapping. Potential targets have been told that Tehran is using proxies such as gangs to carry out assassination attempts, making death threats and engage in other types of intimidation. England and Manchester United striker Marcus Rashford is pictured on the front of the sun as the tabloid claims a 26-year-old was out drinking in Belfast until the early hours last week and called in sick. Manchester United say Rashford has taken responsibility for his actions. After reports, he said he was seen in night spots in Northern Ireland on Wednesday and Thursday evening. Finally, the Financial Times claims flutter. The gambling group, which owns Paddy Power, is planning to quit the UK's FTSE 100 index by moving its primary listening, listing to New York, dealing what it describes as another blow to London's ailing e- e- equity market. And that brings us to the end of the headlines for today's papers
0: mm-hmm. some some interesting news um, like you mentioned most of it is uh, is uh, speaking about Dis- the royal family and and, and their hospital discharges exactly exactly i um, just another news uh, before we move on to our first main segment um, on BBC News, there's, a, there's an article on Elon Musk, how, how he's announcing the first Neuralink wireless brain chip implant. So I thought that'd be a, a little wow. bit uh, interesting for, for, for our listener as well. So tech billionaire Elon Musk says his Neuralink company has successfully implanted one of his wireless brain chips in a human for the first time. Initial results detected promising neuron spikes on nerve impulses, and the patient is recovering well, he said. The company's goal is to connect human brains to computers, and it says it wants to help tackle complex neurological conditions. A number of rival companies have already implanted similar devices. BBC News has approached both Neuralink and the US's medical regulator, the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, for comment. Mr. Musk's company was given permission to test the chip on humans by the FDA in May, a critical milestone after earlier struggles to gain approval. This gave uh, the green light for the start of the six-year study during which a robot is being used to surgically place 64 flexible threads thinner than a human hair on to a part of the brain that controls movement intention, according to Neuralink. The company says that these threads allow its experimental implant, powered by a battery that can be charged wirelessly, to record and transmit brain signals wirelessly to an app that decodes how the person intends to move. Posting on X, Uh, Formerly known as Twitter, the social media platform he owns, which was uh, 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 on that, he says that Mr. Musk said Neuralink's first product would be called telepathy. Uh, He said that telepathy would enable control of your phone computer and through them almost any device just by thinking. Initial users will be those who have lost the use of their limbs, he continued. And referring to the late British scientist who had motor neurone disease, he added, Imagine... If Stephen Hawking could communicate faster than a speed speed uh, typist or auctioneer, that is the goal, quote unquote. While Mr. Musk's involvement raises the profile of Neuralink, he faces rivals, some of who have uh, a track record dating back two decades. Utah based uh, uh, BlackRock Neurotech implanted his first on uh, uh, of many brain computer interfaces in 2004 precision neuroscience uh, formed by a Neuralink co-founder also aims to help people with paralysis and his implant resembles a very thin piece of tape that sits on the surface of the brain and can be implanted via a cranial micro slit which is uh, which it says is a much simpler procedure existing devices um, have also generated results in two separate recent U.S. Science, uh, scientific studies. Implants were used to monitor brain activity when a person tried to speak, which could then be decoded to help them communicate. Um, quite, a, quite, quite an interesting uh, piece of news, isn't it, Mubales, in which uh, we can see the technological advancements yet again um, just going beyond human capacity, really, isn't it?
1: And 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 the fact for him to claim that—imagine um, Stephen Hawking speaking faster, yeah. right? I mean, that just shows how advanced this technology must be, and um, we you know we can't even comprehend where it's gonna go in the future.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's just um, it, we see that, uh, and and Islam always uh, teaches us as well that it's uh, it's good and it's a positive thing. To, to make use of uh, of all these scientific mm. and technological advancements that mankind makes and that is why God Almighty has given us this capacity to to think uh, and, and to really think outside the box as well and mm. uh, not just staying within the the limits and the parameters of uh, of a normal society, but also going far beyond that and creating things which uh, are well unimaginable for, 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 for the most part, isn't it? Yeah indeed. Um, it's uh, in other news. Uh, just lastly, uh, disposable vape ban. Um, it can't come soon enough, uh, quoted by the BBC. Well, there's a, there's different um, people have given uh, their own uh, um, incidents and stories about this. Uh, there's parents who say that they found a a wall of vapes um, uh, behind a sink. Um, of a 13-year-old son who's been vaping for two years um, and uh, there, there's another who says that I've been vaping since I was nine um, a 17-year-old college student from Stoke um, a teacher says that my pupil collapsed um, a head teacher of Newham RC College in Oldham told BBC Radio 4's Today programme uh, that he thought roughly 10% of his, of his approximately 1,500 pupils had tried vaping um and uh, he says that uh, um about this one specific individual that as he got off the bus he started to f- uh, to fell unwell and he collapsed uh, quote unquote um and there's other people saying that people will spo- uh, f- uh, smoke instead a former 60 cigarettes a day smoker um said st- st- started uh, i love vapor which uh, has a string of vape shops uh, across uh, bedfordshire uh, Eleven years ago, and he said that his business has worked with the NHS, and that its core objective is to help people quit cigarettes. Um, other people are saying that uh, vapes are littered everywhere, um, and then there's images of this as well. Um, I, I I believe Rishi Sunak um, in his um, uh, in in his uh, in his uh, in his aim, I, I guess. To try and ban uh, vapes, he's uh, he's saying that uh, young the youth uh, mm. ov- obviously um, will not be able to 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 purchase them. Well, he wants to put a ban on them uh, altogether anyway. Uh, but uh, he says that especially the youth they won't be able to 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 purchase them. He says that uh, um, they won't be able to take other things uh, similar to that as well. Yeah. So it's not just getting away from that, but also, also nicotine patches and things of that sort. Um, uh, another thing that he said he he'll do is that he'll li- limit the amount of flavors as well, Okay. Um, and the change the packaging as well. So it's not so colorful, not so um, not so A- so uh, appealing, appealing for for, yeah. for the youth, isn't it? Because oftentimes you you see you go to let's say the high street, um, and you see young children who who look like they're they're definitely in their teens not 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 even in their 20s yet uh, maybe even 13 14 years of yeah. age i just went uh, shopping the other day um on, on saturday on the weekend uh went to the high street and i saw a, a lots of uh, of young children yeah. uh, vaping and and uh, and they 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 passing it around and and it's just I don't know it's it's, it's very it's very, very different
1: now these yeah. these these kids nowadays are, are on a different level yeah and despite a lot of these packages do not even have like um you know appealing pictures I mean take cigarettes for example, yeah they usually have a picture of of somebody's mouth being cut off exactly, or of or, yeah, or yeah. or someone's feet with cancer or something yeah, like yeah. that but despite that kids they still go and they want to smoke, they want to fit in they want yeah. to be cool um and that's just you know trying to look cool and and getting into that um band of boys it kind of um, gets them addicted and then they're just going around smoking and then they're just having these vapes and it turns into little groups and and, and friendships that they only meet for their social um, so- social time of vaping and smoking exactly so it's about time that, that something's <coughs> being done about this um, I know in, in, in uh, New Zealand this, this rule was implemented from a while ago now yeah, yeah. and now it's, it's about time that the UK is starting to do it mm. and you know we can just pray for these kids as well that may um, you know, may may God the Almighty help them quit and help them for their selves. Mm. Because we don't know, like Rishi Sunak said, we don't know long the imp, the long term effects of, of, of vapes and everything. Yeah. And they're definitely not good because we haven't seen them long enough to be able to say that yeah, you'll be fine. Exactly. Whereas with smoking there's different speculations, there's different things going on around the around the world. Some people that smoke, um, you know, they never get cancer and and, and others they get cancer straight away. Mm. Um, so it's it's very different. But either way, we should try to protect our bodies um, they are a um, they are um, a property of Allah which we are looking after yeah. until we return back to him so we should look after our bodies and and uh, do justice with ourselves for for our sake and for our family's sake and for our future's sake as well at the same time
0: most certainly most certainly i mean it's uh, like you said when when cig- uh, cigarettes uh, came into play uh, hmm. so many years ago now at, at first, it was obviously cool and trendy and, and if it, it was manly for, 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 for people to to, mm. to start smoking and things of that sort. People didn't know about the long term uh, health implications. But now that because it's around for so long, now we're aware of yeah. all of the negative impacts and the harmful effects that it has on the body. Um, but vaping has not been around for so long. And so we are still unaware of what kind of long term effects it, it, it can have. Um and obviously it it does have a part to play in uh in 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 getting people uh, assisting people to to quit smoking. Mm. Um and that is its basic That was that's what it came goal, around for, right? yeah. But now um it's the, you see so many children, so many people under the age of uh, even what's uh, was permitted for for them to actually purchase these items um going around vaping and things of that sort and it's just uh, it's it has had an effect on the amount of people or the amount of youth which are smoking cigarettes, mm. but it's uh, the amount of people, young children which are vaping has is is literally skyrocketed, and it's uh, gotten uh, out of the roof uh, as as to say. Um, we, uh, I think let's uh, get straight into our first segment, just a quick time check for you. It is uh, 32 minutes past seven, just coming up to 33 minutes now. Um, and the two topics that we are going to be speaking about today, the HRW annual report shows that global leaders are failing to uphold human rights. Um And in the second segment, we'll be speaking about how study Finds that shouting at children is as damaging as physical abuse. Um, I'm sure there are some very interesting takes that you have on this as well. So do give us uh, get, uh, pick up the phone and give us a call. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number for you. Um, And of course, uh, you can hear us up on uh, X, uh, formerly known as Twitter, and on Instagram at voiceofislamuk. So yeah, like I said, just getting straight into this first topic, the Human Rights Watch, um, their annual report uh, has highlighted the decline of upholding human rights globally as government's double standards have been showcased amid escalating tensions across the world. These have been, but not limited to, the Israel-Hamas conflict, uh, accusations against the Chinese government regarding ethnic and religious minorities, U.S. abuse cases in Afghanistan hidden away, as well as other cases of a lack of accountability towards obvious human rights violations. The HRW report paints a bleak picture of, of what may come in the future, should governments not properly address their shortcomings in protecting and promoting human rights? Um, so, of course, there is a lot to cover uh, in this. We'll be talking about um, leaders, what kind of a role they have, what Islam teaches us in that regard as well, um, and uh, many other things as well. But I think let's let's start our discussion today. With what the, the HRW report, uh, their outline regarding the war crimes committed by Israel against Palestinians, um, what were they and what did it say about selective outrage uh, shown by the Western allies of uh, Israel? So Mubaliz, if you can enlighten our listeners a little bit uh, in this regard of uh, of of what the, the war crimes were um, and in regards to this selective uh, outrage as well, please.
1: Well, within the 740-page World Report 2024, its 34th version, the human rights observe uh, audits human rights homes in in, in more than 100 nations. Um, In her basic paper, official chief uh, Tirana Hassan says that 2023 was a consequential year, not as if it were for human rights uh, concealment and wartime outrages, but too for particular government shock and value-based strategy that carried significant costs for the rights of those not in the deal, but says, uh, but she says there, there were also signs of, of of trust appearing, the plausibility of a distinctive way, and calls on governments to to reliably maintain their their human rights, uh, you know, their their commitments. Human rights are in a in a pitful state throughout the world as as leaders disregard their. You know their responsibilities to uphold international law according to human rights watch annual report in its 2024 uh, world report uh, human rights watch uh, warns of worsening human rights crisis around the world with wartime uh, atrocities on the rise human rights activists being suppressed and governments attacking and undermining international international human rights values and, and, and legislation The paper focuses on on political leaders' growing contempt for international human rights laws. According to the report, selective government outrage and transactional diplomacy, as well as double standards in respecting international human rights norms, have endangered countless lives. Um, HRW's executive head, uh, Tirana Hassan, stated, There is a persistent assault on human rights spreading around the world as governments turn away from their legal obligations on human rights for short-term political gains and seek to consolidate power. There is also a concerning trend of double standards, which is not restricted to the obvious case of the Israel-Hamas conflict. We witness silence on the Chinese government's crimes against humanity, and where there was a fervent call for accountability and punishment of war crimes in Ukraine, there is also silence on suspected U.S. violations in Afghanistan. This very clearly sends a message that human rights laws can be applied selectively to different groups of people and chips away at the institutions created to uphold them.
0: Mm. I mean, it's it's, it's it's very worrying to say the least, isn't it? I yeah. mean, these double standards that we see. Um, and, and we will be getting into um, a, a lot more as well, obviously, the, the South Africa put forward in relation to the human rights abuses and crimes committed by Israel against uh, uh, Palestine, um, of course, other examples as well. Um, and we'll be speaking about what Islam teaches uh, in this regard as well. Um We can see that the report um, that you've mentioned as well is a breakdown of countries' human rights records in 2023. The Taliban continue to crush women's rights in Afghanistan, which we've spoken about uh, at length here on the Voice of Islam radio station as well. Uh, If you would like to revisit that, then of course you can do so on our website, um, www.voiceofislam.org.uk. And the international community failed to act to prevent widespread and horrible abuses against people in Sudan, particularly in Darfur. Human Rights Watch, based in New York, cha- charges Israel of war crimes in its annual report released on Thursday and claims that numerous governments have expressed selective outrage quote unquote, over atrocities per- uh, perpetrated during the Gaza battle. The research examines the human rights um, situation in nearly a hundred countries over the previous twelve months, defining 2023 as a formidable year, quote unquote, for human rights violation and military crimes, um, 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 Israel claims Hamas-led militants um, tortured and killed 1,200 people in a cross-border attack on October the seventh, including scores of women and children, and will actually. Um, We we can see that uh, we'll we'll speak about the actual percentage of this as well in just a short while. Um, Hamas led fighters attacks on Israel on October 7th uh, were terrifying for civilians, quote unquote, according to the HRW study. Many countries promptly and uh, properly condemned these horrible acts. Israel's government replied by cutting off water and electricity to Gaza's 2.3 million residents and preventing the entry of all but a trickle of fuel, food and humanitarian goods, a type of collective punishment that is a war crime. The uh, uh, Israeli uh, military ordered over a million Gaza residents to flee their homes and blasted densely populated areas with powerful weapons, killing thousands of civilians. According to Gaza's uh, Hamas-run health ministry, Israeli forces have killed over 23,000 individuals since October the 7th, with women and children actually accounted to 70% of the total. Um, according to Human Rights Watch, Israel's Western friends responded with selective outrage, like we mentioned earlier as well. Uh, many of the governments that uh, condemned Hamas war crimes have uh, been reserved in responding by those uh, to those by the Israeli government, according to the report, um, j- just quickly before we speak about uh, um, what His Holiness has taught us I- I- in this regard and the-, the the South African incident as well, what is is it's uh, it's so important for us to actually understand that, uh, especially from this last statistic that we've read out of 23,000 individuals um th- that the israelí forces have killed uh, since the october incident um with the with the with women and children actually accounting to se- for 70% of the total i mean anyone who is familiar with the voice of islam radio station will be well aware of the islamic teachings and principle in regard to the to 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 how war should be done yeah and we can see through the Holy Prophet Muhammad, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Um, he's taught us that uh, during obviously his time, uh, he had to fight some defensive battles. Um, uh, all of the wars that he fought were defensive. Um, and and, like I said, all of our listeners will be whether we well regular listeners will be well aware of this fact. Um, but we can see that he laid out some very fundamental principles and rules that uh, were to abide by uh, by all of the, uh, the 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 army and the, the military camp. and that is that no uh, women, no children, none of the elderly, none of them should be should be um, hurt or affected or, or killed or, or in, in any way. yeah um, the plants, the vegetation, nothing should be damaged in that regard. The, the wells, if there's any access to water, that shouldn't be damaged. Mm. Um, nothing should be, even the, 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 the buildings and the environment. The places of worships. Exactly. None of these things. The, the, the whole purpose was to defend yourself not to get the better of the other uh, the opponent yeah it's a uh, you uh, oftentimes this may feel or may seem as if the, it's the same thing yeah but the holy prophet muhammad may the peace and blessings of allah be upon him has so beautifully and eloquently explained to us that in fact these are two different things it's not just about getting the upper hand and and uh and beating the opponent Rather, it's becoming victorious by defending yourself, hmm. and that is the goal. It's not to, to uh, I, I mean, in so many times, even uh, let's say in the Edo period uh, in, in Japan, etc. Um, we can see that uh, when the wars were going on, people of 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 tribes and villages mm. they would actually uh, um, 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 defecate the 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 wells, oh. um, so that even if they if they do lose their homes, even if they do lose their villages, it's it's uh, it's it's an odd way, but it's 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 a, it's an interesting way as well in which they would, um, if uh, if the opponents would then after taking siege of the of the of the village and the area. Um, they would uh, they would drink the water obviously, uh, but then they would uh, they they would uh, get uh, poisoned, poisoned or, or, yeah. or, or or at least have some kind of a um, negative effect from that. Um, We'll be speaking more about what Islam teaches us uh, in this regard in just a short while. But before we do so, we do have with us on the line, our first guest for the show, Professor Megan Campbell, who is a reader in international human rights law at the University of Birmingham and deputy director of uh, the Oxford Human Rights Hub. She is currently a British uh, Academy uh, mid-career fellow and her work specialises in women's equality, particularly in relation to issues of poverty. As-salamu alaykum. Peace be upon you. Good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show. Thank you very much for having me. You're very welcome and thank you for being with us today. Um, we're speaking about a very interesting topic, uh, the HRW annual reports uh, and how it shows that global leaders are failing to uphold human rights. The first question that we wanted to ask you, obviously uh, keeping in mind that much of your work looks at the way that in the, the international human rights system could actually respond to gender inequality and, and poverty, in the Human Rights Watch Annual Report, do you see examples of a failure to uphold gender rights by world leaders in certain parts of the world?
2: The short answer to your question is yes. If you look at the report, it's about um, 600 pages, and it goes country by country, detailing under different headings, different types of human rights violations. And there is no country in the world that is exempt from um, failing to uphold human rights. But so I thought I'd just pick out a few examples to highlight some of the uh, human rights violations that are happening well, there's the most severe examples where women are dying because their reproductive rights are not protected in poland we have women and girls being banned from secondary and tertiary school in afghanistan but when we look closer to home in the uk we see a whole slew of human rights violations for for not only women but for all all types of people so victims of domestic violence who come to the police seeking um, for safety and protection If they're a refugee, their names are being turned over to immigration authorities. So refugee women are forced to pick between accountability for violence, safety from violence, or risk of deportation. The report also shows that in the UK, women on average work two months for free because of the gender pay gap. And these are just a handful of examples. And if you uh, look through the report, you can see example after example of states failing to uphold their human rights commitments. Mm.
0: I mean, the mind boggles, isn't it? I mean, we're in the in the twenty first century, where we believe, uh, and feel, and deem ourselves so uh, so so um, civilized. Um, in manners uh, in, in which we would look at the, the olden times as barbarism or whatever um, and, and we feel as if we're in a state in which we have given everyone their due rights and all of these other things as well but we still see this uh, this failure to uphold these basic rights which well I mean, we believe that Islam taught us over 1400 years ago, uh, the rights that women have, the rights that uh, uh, all uh, people of all different backgrounds have, uh, all of these different things. But still we see that in the 21st century, there are places in the world where this is not being upheld. What, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, that can be a moment of frustration. I think anyone who works in the human rights space gets those moments of exhaustion, frustration, anger, disappointment, even just outright sadness to see that these basic human rights, these basic ideals that get talked about a lot in rhetoric, uh, in political spaces and legal spaces as of immense value. And then we see on the ground that these violations keep happening. Mm. And it can be incredibly frustrating. And reports like this are really important because they they bear witness, they chronicle the violations that people experience in their day-to-day lives. And they're also important tools for inspiration to activism, to inspiration to, to try to do something, to to make these things that we all believe so fundamental to be an actual reality for everyone all over the
0: world. Yeah, yeah, most certainly. It, it paints, paints a, a true picture, isn't it, as to what's happening around the globe as well. Um, we often see cases of double standards regarding upholding human rights around the world by governments and we spoke a little bit about this before having you on as well the HRW report um, explored selective outrage uh, uh, quoted from that as well um, as an example of these double standards have you seen this in your own work and research uh, and what are some of maybe some examples that you can share with our listener as well yeah so
2: selective outrage is a really interesting concept and I think really important the report spotlights it it's kind of the idea that certain conflicts are more newsworthy than others, or certain types of refugees are entitled to our sympathy where others are ignored. And we take a step back, Selective outrage is almost invariably linked to stereotypes on who is or is not worthy of our collective empathy, sympathy or compassion, who ends up being blamed for their own human rights violations, and then more largely, how human rights link to these larger geopolitical forces. So in my own work on, on women's equality, you can definitely see repeated selective outrage. We can see it in what kinds of victims of gender-based violence do we care about? Mm. How often do we police the behavior of women to um, make it seem that they are not worthy of our outrage that they've experienced violence? Interestingly, we can also see selective outrage being weaponized against victims of human rights violations. This is particularly true for people in poverty. They're often blamed for their own poverty—that they are financially incompetent, that they are lazy, that they are work shy, that they make bad decisions—and then we can feel outrage at their bad decisions, outrage that they're asking the state for financial entitlements. And then we can punish them, um, for their, their perceived deviance, their perceived bad behavior, which fails to account for the fact that poverty is structural, that these debates that demonize people in poverty don't look behind individual choices and look at the larger structures about budgets and how budgets allocate money to certain things, how inflation is a, a runaway concept or it's a runaway phenomenon we're all experiencing that makes, um, Budgeting on an individual household level very difficult. And so we we feel such an outrage or we can be politicians or people in power we can use outrage to demonize them and to demonize people in poverty, to legitimize policies that make life more difficult and, and violate the human rights of people in poverty.
0: Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Um, we, we see... Um... I mean, in the civilian population, uh, obviously, they can hold their and should be able to hold their governments and leaders accountable regarding the protection and promotion of human rights. And when we see these, like, for instance, the examples that you've given us of this kind of selective outrage um, and, and, and the double standards as well, how effective do you think are protests or even maybe writing letters to MPs in, in raising awareness uh, that they should be held accountable for, for, for their actions?
2: Well, something is a really good question, and it's really tempting to dismiss um, actions like writing letters to MPs or participating in political protests or um, you know, acts of, like social media solidarity as ineffective. But I think that's too dismissive and too easy our actions do matter, big and small. Um, mm-hmm. They are connected to each other as well. So while the, writing a letter or posing something in social media or participating in a protest may not have a sort of simple direct causal relationship to the change you want to see, it does matter and it is part of a collective voice that's connected to other voices around the world that are also raising these issues and making a very clear statement to powerful actors that human rights violations are unacceptable. So it's really about doing what you can in the spaces that you occupy, the spaces that you move in, to raise human rights issues, to champion human rights values and norms, and to champion the human rights of other people.
0: Mm-hmm. Most certainly. I mean, we, 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 we believe, especially as uh, as Muslims as well, that the, the Holy Prophet of Islam, the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he told, told us and taught us that a leader is he who serves his people. So it's, it's it's all about, I mean, th- that accountability definitely needs to be there. And if we see that uh, the world leaders uh, are, are not upholding true justice, as they should be, then, of course, it is uh, up to the civilian population to, to hold the governments and leaders accountable. Um, lastly, um, despite the pessimistic outlook on global human rights violations that we are witnessing around the globe, are we... Seeing maybe any improvements in this regard, are there any examples maybe where governments have acted accordingly to better the life of marginalised or even vulnerable uh, uh, communities in their country?
2: Yeah, so it's always tempting to to say the glass is half empty and it's very pessimistic and the world's getting darker. In most days, you know, for most of us, it feels that way. But there are good examples, and there are things that governments and states and civil society are doing to make the world more equal, more just, and more fair. So just from my own research uh, on women's equality, there are, in the past maybe five years, really some good decisions coming out. The Indian Supreme Court struck down a ban that prohibited women from being promoted in the the army. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: So the African Supreme Court recognized the legal status of Muslim marriages, and the Canadian Supreme Court recognized that the design of pensions disadvantaged women who have caring roles. So there are are good examples, and there are millions of initiatives that were governments trying to realize human rights, Mm. from housing policies for homelessness, to uh, drug addiction centers, to shelters for domestic violence. And with much of human rights, it's not this sort of linear route from good to bad. It is complicated. It is messy. It is steps forward and steps backward at the same time. But the real point is not to be defeated, but to keep pushing forward, to celebrate the victories, and to use the successes um, to build more initiatives, to build more momentum, to ensure that laws and, and guarantee equality for all people
0: yeah yeah no no most certainly uh so some be- beautiful uh, and excellent uh points shared um thank you uh, may god bless you and we we, we hope you have uh, a wonderful day ahead as well thank you for sharing your insight with us
2: thank you so much for having
0: me you're very welcome thank you Bye bye Zero 208 zero eight, seven, seven, eight, seven, eight is the number for you. That was Professor Megan Campbell, uh, who's a reader in international human rights law at the University of Birmingham and Deputy Director of the Oxford Human Rights Hub, uh, who was sharing her thoughts with us and, and some very interesting uh, research as well, which she's done in this regard. Of, um, of of double standards of of the of the problems that we have seen uh, globally as well, and also some of the positive things that uh, uh, other uh, nations have uh, uh, have or are implementing or starting as well. Um, Mubarez, um, in uh, the annual convention of uh, which took place uh, in Germany last year, uh, His Holiness he spoke on the rights of the general public granted by Islam. And he uh, recited chapter 2 verse 84 of the Holy Quran which states that And remember the time when we took a covenant from the children of Israel. You shall worship nothing but Allah and show kindness to parents and to kindred and orphans and the poor and speak to men kindly and observe prayer and pay the zakat. Then you turned away in aversion except a few of you. We'll, um, we'll touch on this uh, in a short while um, and talk about what this verse actually teaches us and signifies. Uh, but before we do so, and before we go to the, 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 the uh, 8 o'clock news, um, Mubaraz, how was it that um, uh, South Africa put forward in relation, what was it that they put forward uh, in relation to human rights, uh, right abuses and crimes committed by Israel against Palestine? Well,
1: um, of the the conflict in in Gaza has now reached the International Court of Justice. In the final days of 2023, South Africa filed an application with um, the International Court of Justice to commence proceedings against Israel. South Africa claims that Israel's actions in Gaza violates its obligations under the Convention on the the Prevention and Punishment of Genocide by committing genocide against Palestinians and failing to, to, to prevent it including failing to hold senior Israeli officials and others accountable for direct and and public incitement to genocide. The plea continues with a call for rage of of, uh, provisional measures, including the immediate suspension of Israel's military operations in Gaza. Uh, In contrast, the Genocide Convention uh, explicitly establishes um, ICJ jurisdiction, to establish um, uh, jurisdiction, South Africa must demonstrate that its dispute with Israel is related to the, to the um, interpretation, application or implementation of the Genocide Convention. To that end, South Africa uh, claims that the, the um, dispute affects both its own obligations as a state party to the Genocide Convention to prevent genocide and Israel's compliance with the, with the convention. The majority of the application is devoted to laying out uh, South Africa's uh, allegation that Israel is breaking its responsibilities under the convention. The convention defines genocide as acts including killing members of the group committed with the intent to destroy in whole or in part a national, ethical, uh, ethnical and uh, racial or religious group. South Africa's complaint claims that the the damage caused by Israel's uh, military campaign against Gaza since October the 7th constitutes genocidal actions. According to the report, Israel has killed in excess of 21,110 named Palestinians, including over 7.7 children, uh, 7.729 billion children, with over 7.780 others missing, presumed dead, under the rubble and has injured over 55,000 other Palestinians and further states that Israel has also laid waste to vast areas of Gaza including entire neighbourhoods and has has damaged or destroyed in excess of 355 Palestinian homes. The application unequivocally con- condemns Hamas's targeting of civilians and hostage taking on October the 7th but condemns that no armed attack on state's territory, no matter how serious, even an attack involving atrocity crimes, can provide possible justification on on, on a state's territory.
0: Mm. I mean, it's it's so important, isn't it, to 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 take accountability uh, and really speak to to those uh, in authority and let them know of what's going on, isn't it? We'll speak mm. a little bit more about this in just a short while. Here's the eight o'clock news. Allah. as-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. May the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to The Breakfast Show here on the Voice of Islam radio station, um, where we are discussing uh, our first topic, which is how the HRW annual report shows that global leaders are failing to uphold human rights. Um, in a short while, in about 10-15 minutes or so, we'll be st- talking about our next main topic, and that is uh, how a study finds that shouting at children is as damaging as physical abuse. Um, most most parents uh, now have probably already maybe left their their homes to to drop off their children at school. Um, but uh, but but yeah, it's just maybe a, maybe a time to reflect. Um, maybe your child was uh, was taking too long to get ready this morning. Maybe uh, they they weren't eating their breakfast properly or whatever it might be. And and maybe if it if it did cause you. To, to maybe shout at them a little or raise your voice um, then this is the segment for you I mean it's for everyone anyway I'm just uh, messing around but if you would like to get involved and if you would like to contribute please feel free to do so this is your radio station like I mentioned earlier um, and we would love for you to contribute and, and give your two cents on uh, on what you feel about this it's an interesting study um, how it's, um, uh, it's uh, shown that uh, uh, um, shouting can be just as damaging as physical abuse um, and I'm sure many people will have their own take on this so so do let us know what you think in that regard in just a short while but uh, yeah before we move on to the second topic uh, we spoke about the, the verse of the Holy Quran as well uh, just before mm. the news, in which uh, we can see that the Holy Quran can actually be seen as the defender of rights as has clearly laid out the the rights for humans and this is something that we mentioned uh, to our first guest as well, uh, Professor Campbell. Um, and we can see that uh, in Islam we are taught to fulfill hukukullah and hukukul ibad. And this, these are basically uh, two terms within the Islamic terminology uh, which our regular listener will be well aware of because this is something which is often repeated here uh, because of its great importance within the Islamic faith. And hakukullah can be translated to the rights that we owe to God Almighty and that can be done through worship, through rendering thanks to him. Um, and then there's al ibad, which is an umbrella, umbrella term which can be seen, or seen as the rights that we owe to mankind. And this is not just limited to mankind, rather, like I said, it's an umbrella term and everything that God Almighty has created. Remember, we believe him to be Al-Khaliq, the creator, um, and everything that we see around us is his creation. So whether it's mankind, whether it's animals, whether it's plants, whether it's vegetation, whether it's the atmosphere or even the buildings around us, all of these things have their own rights and we as Muslim uh, uh, um, um, uh, uh, people following the Islamic faith, Muslims, we have to uphold all of these different rights. The Holy Quran explains to the believers to not cause ruin or corruption with their own hands, but to strive for good and justice as these are loved by Allah. Um, th- th- there was an interesting quote, uh, Mubariz, that you were speaking about earlier as well, of uh, of Sir Muhammad Jodhi, uh, Zafrullah Khan, uh, that he wrote in his book as well, isn't it? The, yes, the Islam yes. and Human Rights. Um, maybe if we can share that with our listeners as well.
1: Well, Sir Muhammad Zafrullah Khan, um, you know, he was a Pakistani uh, a politician, diplomat, and, and uh, international jurist, known particularly for his representation of Pakistan at the United Nations. Um, and he wrote a, a book, Islam and Human Rights, and, and he wrote regarding justice, um, that for, for the Muslims and indeed for all mankind, Islam seeks to, to stimulate and deepen that consciousness. It emphasizes our duties and obligations so that each of us by due discharge of them should help to safeguard freedom, justice and equality for all, and should promote and foster human welfare and prosperity in all spheres, social, economic, moral and spiritual. It seeks to establish a pattern of society which in all the changing and developing circumstances of a dynamic world would maintain its character of beneficence in all spheres of life Individual, domestic, national, and international. For this purpose, it furnishes us with a with a framework of beliefs, duties, obligations, exhortations, and sanctions. It also provides us with guidance at all levels and in all fields. So, um, you know, this 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 book, summer. Is, is a very good read for for, um, for not just um, the Muslims and the uh, Muslim community, but for all. It will outline, um, you know, what Islam uh, truly teach, teaches. And it also, um, you know, it's, 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 he, he actually explains that how 1400 years ago, you know, how Islam emancipated the poor and oppressed and gave the world the basic uh, perception for the for the respect and value of all human beings, you know, irrespective of class, color, or, or or creed, and and the the instructions you know contained in the Holy Quran, they remain as relevant today as they were at the time that it was revealed, um, you know. But however, with the with the passage of time and and some parts of the Muslim um, you know societies, they have uh, unfortunately neglected the Quranic teachings. Um, you know and and have fallen in 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 moral standards um, but however um, just as the the author was very uh, optimistic uh, on how he concludes um you know the, the the revival of Islam is happening at the moment uh, and it is 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 it is a close adherence to the values laid out in the Holy Quran and and the revival of Islam at the moment we are, uh, we're witnessing it through, the the works of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, um, you know, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the, the, the Promised Messiah, Mirza Ghulam Ahmed uh, of Qadiyan, you know, he has come to revive Islam and to remind us what the true teachings of Islam are and how we should abide by the rules and, and we are now blessed to be able to uh, witness his his current caliph, you know, his, the, the fifth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, um, as you mentioned about him earlier, um, Mirza Masroor Ahmad may Allah be his helper, and we can follow the teachings, the guidelines that we are receiving from him, and we can try to bring this into our daily life so that we can help, uh, you know, all those in need, and that we can, as you mentioned, uh, fulfill our duties, uh, our rights to to God Almighty and the rights to uh, mankind, and that is our purpose on this on this world. At the end of the day, in a in a, in a very short kind of. Um, Bullet point.
0: Yeah, no, no, most certainly. Um, And the book that you mentioned as well, uh, Islam and Human Rights by uh, Sarah Jordi uh, Muhammad Zafrullah Khan, Um, uh, it can be found uh, online on our website, uh, Mm. free of charge, uh, alislam.org. Go on to that and any other book or any other um, item that you would like to go through, read, or listen to. Everything is, uh, like I said, completely free of charge. There's no subscription. You don't even have to put your email address. I know a lot of people are wary of, uh, yeah. <laughs> of going onto websites and downloading different things and th- things of that sort. But uh, yeah, like I said, you can go browse uh, the, the library and and, and download a- any book uh, that you like. Um, just lastly, before we uh, move on to our next uh, uh, main topic, you mentioned His Holiness. Yeah. Um, may Allah strengthen His hand, the, the, the current caliph of the worldwide Ahmadiyya Muslim community. In his Friday sermon on 5th uh, May uh, last year, he he, he explains um, the verse of, um, of uh, chapter 16, verse uh, 91 of the Holy Quran, in which it states that, Verily, Allah enjoins justice and the doing of good to others and giving like kindred, and forbids indecency and manifest evil, and wrongful transgression. He admonished you that you may take heed." The explanation that he gave gave in this regard is is, is so beautifully expounds upon the Islamic principle of justice, which we cannot see uh, in any other faith, in any other uh, worldly body, in any other government, I mean, this is something which is, um, is, is solely um, for the, the Islamic faith. And this, mm. it, it teaches us the beauty of, actually, uh, of true justice as well. He explains that in respect to humans, justice means to give your fellow human beings their due rights and to seek your due rights from them in a just manner. The next stage, uh, and, and uh, uh, Mubarak, remember, this is the extent of uh, what other faiths teach us in regards to justice. Mm. Uh, it says that if someone does good to you, then then do something similar back to them um, and and world governments and bodies as well. But the next stage, he goes on to say, the next stage is kindness. If one is ill towards you, you show them kindness and mercy. In this stage, you demonstrate kindness to others irrespective of their behaviour toward you. Mm. It's such a beautiful way in which it, it it goes a step further than than any other body or, or, or faith, and teaches us that even if someone is ill towards you, yeah. this is the kind of uh, uh, um, way that you should be. And that's retaliating not easy. With them. That's not it's, it's easy. Not, you know. You know. Yeah. You can
1: see it in our daily daily lives when um, you know maybe one of our um, uh, clients or bosses or anyone, even our partners, yeah. when they when 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 someone's rude to you. You automatically give them an answer back, exactly, but to be able to give them uh, um love and compassion instead of that is is tough yeah. it's It's not for every person, and that's why um you know we should pray for ourselves as well, and we should pray for others that maybe be able to treat them with with love and compassion all the time
0: yeah, I mean it's just just a friendly reminder to to always keep our egos in check, isn't it yeah, yeah, um the next stage he 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 goes on to say that the next stage is that of kindred. And in this stage, all the kindness and compassion shown to others becomes selfless and there is no expectation of uh, recompense, nor is there any selfish desire in mind. Such kindness should be natural and emerge from the heart like the love that exists between family and relatives. This, he says, is the highest form of love for humankind, which is free and pure from any selfishness and ulterior motives. His only male strength in his hand stated that this is the standard we should demonstrate amongst one another and then extend this love to others as well. I mean, I think that that beautifully summarizes this whole topic of uh, of the injustices that we see within uh, today's day and age, uh, of course, the accountability. Um, that uh, world leaders and governments have as well in cooling out the injustices and actioning um, uh, them as well. Um, And I I think with that, we'll go uh, straight to our next topic. Uh, Like I mentioned earlier, this is in regards to a study which finds that shouting at children is as damaging as physical abuse. So in a recent research study, it was found that childhood verbal abuse, which includes negative tone of voice, volume and speech speech content, correlated with an increased risk of self-harm, drug use and other destructive behaviours and committing crimes. What we're going to understand, uh, uh, God willing, by the end of this uh, segment and this show is that what Islam teaches us and what it it shows us about uh, how we should discipline our children and the manner in which we should speak to them. So, Mobarez, if we just, if you can kindly uh, just summarize the findings of the report and, and explain to our listener what impact shouting or maybe even verbal abuse has on child development.
1: Well, um, in a in a systematic review focusing on on childhood verbal abuse as a subtype of of child uh, maltreatment. Researchers likely explored various studies to understand the the, uh, prevalence, characteristics and and consequences of verbal abuse on children. It's important to note um, that the findings may vary and the impact of verbal abuse can depend on several factors, including the frequency, intensity, and duration of the abuse, as well as individual resilience and support systems. Um, And, you know, here are some of the the potential findings and impacts associated with with childhood verbal abuse. So on number one, we've got emotional and psychological consequences. You know, verbal abuse can lead to emotional distress, anxiety, depression and low self-esteem in in children. Uh, Persistent exposure to negative and harsh language, you know, may create an emotionally hostile environment. Number two, cognitive development. Uh, Verbal abuse may may impact cognitive development, uh, affecting a child's ability to concentrate, learn, and engage in positive problem solving. The stress uh, associated with verbal abuse can hinder cognitive uh, functioning. Uh, Number three, we have uh, behavioral issues. So children who experience uh, verbal abuse may exhibit um, behavioral problems, including aggression, uh, disobedience, or withdrawal. The negative communication patterns uh, that, you know, they witness may may might influence their own behavior. Number four is impact on relationships. So verbal effect can uh, verbal abuse can affect a child's uh, ability to form healthy relationships. It may contribute to difficulties in in trusting others, uh, you know, effective communication and the development of, of interpersonal skills. Number five, we have long-term effects. So the consequences of childhood, uh, you know, verbal abuse can extend into adulthood. Adults who experienced um, verbal abuse as children may face challenges in mental health, self-worth and maintaining stable relationships. So some of the the conclusion drawn from the review, you know, that it suggests that childhood verbal abuse may have far reaching implications for the mental and physical health of individuals throughout their lives. However, the lack of consistency in the definition of CVA uh, poses challenges for uh, accurately measuring its uh, prevalence and, and impact. The authors the authors um they stress the need for for a unified definition that is consistent across different types of adult uh uh, preparatives. uh you know emphasizing the importance of of addressing primary prevention through appropriate interventions
0: mm. i mean there's some some very um uh, interesting things isn't it that we can see from this there's uh like you mentioned the emotional and psychological consequences this cognitive development behavioral issues impact on relationships as well um and, and along with long term effects as well um especially when it comes to uh, the, the the impact on relationships hmm. though the impact that it has on our day to day lives trusting others effective communication uh, and we we will be speaking a little bit about what this actually uh, can um the, the the problems that this can, can have. There's both sides of the spectrum, mm. isn't it? There's one side in which you're too harsh, and there's yeah. there, there's this verbal abuse, and there's shouting, and all of these things. And then we'll be speaking about uh, uh, in a short while in regards to how gentle parenting style, and mm. and what kind of a difference that has, and and what the 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 extremities of both, isn't it? Yeah. Um. But I believe uh, we will be speaking with uh, with our first guest in this uh, for for this segment. Um and then, like I said, uh, 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 we'll we'll speak about these other side this the the other side of the spectrum as well.
1: So um, with us, we now have uh, our guest, um, Jessica Bondi. Jessica is a founder of of Words Matter, a new charity on a, on a mission to to end verbal abuse of children by adults. It is the first organization in the world to focus on this issue. Uh, which can cause lifelong damage and is focused on research, raising awareness and collaborating with experts, decision-makers and other organisations and those with lived experience to help develop solutions. Words Matter recently conducted some fascinating new research which revealed the shocking scale of childhood verbal abuse by adults. Two in five children experience it. Of these, over half experience it weekly and one in ten daily. Um Jessica Bondi assalamu alaikum may, may, may peace be upon you good morning and welcome to the breakfast show
4: Well thank you so so much for having me on your show I feel I feel uh, delighted to be here so thank you very much to, to both of you
1: Thank you So we're talking about the study that finds um you know that shouting at children is as damaging as as physical abuse and we recognize Word Matters efforts are cultivating a safer environment for children. So could you please explain the, the inspiration behind the charity and some of the research it has undertaken?
4: Absolutely. I think the important thing when we talk about verbal abuse is it's not just shouting and, and screaming. I think that's what our study showed and that's the, the, the study you're referring to. It can be as damaging as other forms of abuse, but it, as well as it, it can be quiet and subtle so it, it's really the words that are said and the tone with which they're said. So it's those two, two extremes. So it's not just shouting and screaming. But what's, what, what I what I uh, why I set it up is because, having worked so for, for many many years with coaching and mentoring young people, and also adults to help them realise their potential, and so many people I spoke to and helped had been so deeply impacted by the words they'd heard when they were growing up and particularly the negative words, which really affected how they felt about themselves and what they were capable of. And these people were, had huge potential, could be, you know, could have, could really do any job or were capable of so much more than they felt they were. So they were really being held back by what they had heard in their childhood from the adults in their lives.
1: Right. So, what are some of the, the detrimental impacts of verbal abuse on a child? Uh,
4: it, it's, it's, I mean, if, if you think you, you, yourself, you probably remember some of the things that were said to you when you were growing up. There are obviously the things that built you up and gave you confidence, and the things that knocked you down. And yeah. some of the um, detrimental effects it affects how you you know, your self esteem, hmm. your feelings of um, how, how, how worthful or worthless you are. Um, it, it affects short term, you know, whether you feel shame and guilt. But I think what's significant is really, and why we're so focused on this issue, is the lifelong damage hmm. that verbal abuse by adults can do to children. Because because the adults in their life, we believe what they say. We're the child, they're the adult, what they say must be true. Yeah. And uh, they, they, the words almost define us and i think the long-term damage is that all the research and all the studies we've looked at can show that it can lead to uh, anxiety depression eating disorders substance abuse self-harm and even suicide and there was one young girl i coached who said to me if this is what my mother feels about me what is the point of me being alive and it was only because of what the mother had said about her and what she felt about her, and those kind of things are heartbreaking. And mm. then when we spoke to other adults, and there was a guy who's, who's who remembered his two sisters, who were now in their fifties, who had been told uh, comments by the father, the father, his, uh, they're, they're, all their fathers. Uh, you know, one was told about her, her body shape, her body size, her legs, her arms, whatever. And they'd been having eating disorders for the the rest of their lives. These are women who were in their 50s who'd been told at the age of 13, 14. So it's so, so important because of this lifelong damage it can do. And I think what's interesting, children's brains are built in response to the relationships they grow up with and the sounds and tones they are surrounded by. And verbal abuse in childhood literally weakens the foundations of the brain so I think that well, it, it is a serious issue and it needs to be taken seriously
1: and I think um that unfortunately happens from when you don't have a good role model um, or when somebody hasn't been shown the the right love and and compassion and it it's kind of like um in a in a cycle and people are just repeating what happened to them
4: you're absolutely correct I mean I think I mean I think it's very hard when you've been yeah. spoken to like that yeah. and it can yeah. be multi-generational because you're not able to develop the emotional um, regulation skills yeah. yourself because you haven't been role modeled in that way and then you see things come up and you're triggered so it, it, it is hard but i think the, the the positive thing is it is possible to break the cycle
1: yeah.
4: if you when you start to be more conscious of it and we have a little um you know four four phrases you know stop because we all get overloaded and stress and anger can build up. But if we could just stop and take a step back, breathe, because if you slow your breathing, it kind of calms you down and then think before you speak. So stop, breathe, think, speak, but it is, but but I think the, you know, it is never too late. And one of the things that's so important is an apology is a start. Um, you know, if you if you if you created a rupture, try and repair. But I think it's it is it is hard if it's happened to you to know to know how to behave differently.
1: Well, uh, I mean, some some people might not even be aware that what they're doing is 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 wrong. So um... which
4: is which is exactly why we've we've launched Words Matter www.wordsmatter.org, Org because I think it is really about raising awareness. Yeah. And what's been so interesting when we talk to those. A 1,000-plus children and a 1,000-plus adults in our research and spoke to, you know, hundreds and hundreds of experts who are supporting us on our mission, the two things they said that were so important to help end childhood verbal abuse by adults in their lives was awareness, raising awareness, getting this issue put on the map to increase understanding, and then education. So people you know again it's all about providing information providing resources and if you go onto our our website people can find resources and there are various telephone numbers and where people can find support because i think if it has happened to you and you're in the you need to you need support too and there are organizations and it's important talking to people
1: and also um i just wanted to mention that Islam has also, you know, laid down many guidelines regarding the the discipline and the raising of children in the, in, in, in the best matter. Uh, Islam puts emphasis on respect between a child and, and the parents, you know, and presenting them with, with secular and, and, and worldly knowledge. So in regards to this, um, a small quote of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, um, you know, is, is that, respect your children and cultivate them in the best of manners, so um, it's our duty as well to 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 be good role models now, and uh, to to uh, raise them in the best way, and to 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 see them how we would uh, like other people to to realize that we have given them. A very good uh, upbringing at the same time, um, Jessica. Well,
4: we, I mean, one of our one of the things we say is, "Let's build children up, not knock them down." Indeed. If you respect a child, they will respect themselves, and importantly, they will respect others.
1: Indeed. Um, lastly, what are some some harmful phrases one should avoid when talking to children? Um, you know, and what sh- what phrases should be used instead?
4: Well, I think what was so interesting is we went, as I said, to over a thousand children. We asked them what were the most hurtful words and what were the he- most helpful words and what it made them feel. So mm. the most hurtful words, um, which are used in what what's it, is some of these things are said totally unintentionally, just off the cuff. And, you know, when one is feeling stressed and overloaded, they're said. So um, it's things like you're useless, you're stupid, you can't do anything right you're worthless. I'm ashamed of you. And this is what leaves children kind of doubting themselves, anxious, isolated, frightened, low in confidence. But the most helpful words that we found, which shows the real power of positive reinforcement is, I'm proud of you. I believe in you. It's okay to make mistakes. You can learn from them. I'm here from you. And I love you. And that makes children feel confident, encouraged, capable and liked and loved, which is so important. And ultimately, it makes them feel happy.
1: Indeed. Um, Jessica, uh, thank you very much for joining us this this morning, for giving us your time. Um, you know, we pray for you and we pray for um all your endeavours and uh the, the the main thing is that may um you be able to help all those children in need and maybe be able to educate um parents and and uh other individuals as well in this in this matter as well. Thank you very much for, for joining us.
4: Well thank you very much for inviting me on. Have a good day.
1: You too. Thank you.
4: Bye
1: bye. So um that was uh, Jessica Bondi, um, you know, founder of Words Words Matter, um, and for all those individuals looking for any sort of guideline uh, in 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 aspect of our our uh, segment, you should definitely um, you know uh, visit their website and you should try to um, get help if anybody is in need of any sort of help as well. You should look towards uh, getting help from them.
0: No, certainly. Um, I think a very interesting point, um, especially from that conversation that you just had with Jessica Bondi as well. Um, it, it, it reminds me of what is uh, what the Holy Prophet Muhammad, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, taught us in regards to cursing children. Hmm. Oftentimes we see, um, I mean, especially in the indo pak culture as well, um, <laughs> we, we see that parents would uh, just ab- abuse the children. Hmm. right? Um, Talking about verbal abuse, of course, um, and uh, they just say whatever to them that yes. you're this or you're that, and not obviously meaning that oh you are literally this and that, but it's just a, it's just it's just the 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 Indo-Pak culture, isn't it? Um, and and there I I think there there may be a shift in that slowly and gradually uh, as as there is more awareness around the globe. But this is still still something which is very prevalent. Yeah. Um, but the the Holy Prophet Muhammad, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he said that do not curse a child, for when you curse, angels add that let it be like that, and like that he he, he or she then becomes. And incidentally, this uh, this also means that angels are responsible for the consequences of actions. So when you tell a child it is bad, it draws in. Imaginary picture in which it figures itself out as bad and does, in fact, become bad. Mm. Therefore, do not abuse a child. Praise it and teach it to be good. This uh, uh, There's an example as well um, of, uh, of uh, his holiness. I believe this was the second caliph um, in which he said that... Um, the, this morning my little girl came to me and asked uh, for, uh, and asked me for a coin when i wanted to give her the coin she extended her left hand to receive it i told her that this was not right and she admitted she was wrong and promised not to repeat her mistake and she at once became conscious of her mistake when it was pointed out to her mm. so i mean it's 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 a very subtle thing but uh, it, and it may be difficult we spoke spoke about keeping our egos in check earlier as well um, and it is, uh, and it can be difficult to to not uh, maybe blurt out something when when your child does something wrong, or they've just spilled the the, the coffee or tea on or, or, on the uh, on the sofa or on the couch, yeah. and you just shout at them or this and that, whatever the incident may be. Um, and it may be difficult to to keep yourself
1: in check at I mean, that time. Some of you yourself are, are a parent of two, so. Um, I don't have any sort of experience. <laughs> what is your experience? I know, mean, how do you deal with your with your kids? I mean, let's say your kid is, you know, your, your son. He's getting late to go to school in the morning. Yeah. How do you, um, you know, he's getting up late. How do you deal with him? How do you speak <laughs> tell, to him?
0: Tell my, tell my wife to deal with him. <laughs> no, I mean, it. that'd be the easiest way. That, that is the easiest way. But no, I mean, it's it, like you mentioned earlier. I think you said this to 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 to, to our guest as well, Jennifer, uh, Jessica. Sorry. Um, it's it's about. Uh, having that role model um, in your mind isn't it mm. and for Muslims it is essential uh, and well not just essential it's it's basically our our fabric of, of our lives that we keep the Holy Prophet Muhammad may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him as our perfect role model it states in the Holy Quran as well that he is the perfect exemplar the perfect role model for all of us um, to follow and so Whatever aspect of life we look at, whether it's as being a husband, being a father, being a leader, being whatever it might be, right? In any aspect of life, we should always emulate and copy his 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 way of living. Um, in our conversation and discussion with uh, with Jessica as well, she mentioned that the stop uh, um, for for a moment, recollect, breathe all of these different things right in which we can um, regulate ourselves yeah. and, and try to control our anger um the holy prophet of islam may the peace and blessings of allah be upon him he's also taught us that if you're standing maybe you can sit so, down at that moment uh, to to lose that obviously when you when you're standing you can you can do anything you're 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 enraged you can throw something you can uh, physically abuse yeah. you can do so many things so he said sit down uh, if you're sitting down then he said you can may- maybe lie down so t- take out even more energy from your body right yeah. and, and and lie down uh, and then he said that if you're lying down maybe you can wa- walk out of the room yeah. uh, maybe you can have a glass of water there's so many things that you can do to keep yourself collect, calm and collective uh, at that time. And then later on, when you feel as if the other per- person, this is not just about children, it can be between couples, it can be, be between siblings, it can be between friends and parents. And just just wanted to add there that I remember seeing recently a, a
1: small uh, study which showed that, you know, anger only lasts for the first 10 seconds, mainly. Mm. Yeah. So if you can overcome them first 10 seconds, then um, your anger will, 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 will die down automatically. And that teaching of Islam, that teaching of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, is is so important for us to actually follow. Um, like you mentioned, whether it be when you're talking to your partner or when you're talking to, you, to your children as well. So once you get past them 10 seconds, yeah. then think about what you are going to say and do and then act accordingly. Exactly. Uh, sorry, I know I cut you off. While yeah, you...
0: no, no, no. That, I mean, yeah, that it's, it's, it's so essential to keep that in mind as well. I mean, a lot of times, when let's say my my daughter's gotten angry for for whatever the reason may be, right, um, and then just if if you ignore it for a while, yeah. and then later go 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 back to uh, when I go back to her, she'll be playing, she'll be she'll be mm. laughing around, even if she was angry at me, she'll still be playing with me and and just doing whatever, right, and that that is the way. Yeah. I mean, it's if you fight fire with fire, the promised Messiah uh, upon whom be peace, he said this as well that if one person is has become the fire. It is essential for the other individual then to become the water to extinguish that. Mm. Um, And whether you're right or wrong, I mean, if you're wrong, then obviously. (laughs) But even if you you're you're right and you know you're right, it's uh, and like I said, it's it is difficult to keep your ego in check uh, and not and not fight fire with fire. And and you must be tempted though sometimes. You definitely. Definitely, I mean, but that's where that's where it's uh, this patience and this steadfastness uh, really comes to put, come into play, mm, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, if you if at that moment if you do let the anger. Um, get the better of you, then, then, then. What is the point, isn't There's it? No point, yeah. We we mentioned earlier as well. It's it's a cycle. When when we see that our parents have have said or or, or acted in a particular way with us, then we naturally we're just going to emulate that. We we're not going to know right from wrong. Uh, we may know deep in our minds that what they said to us was wrong, and m- maybe this is something that I want to abstain from when when uh, when uh, uh, parenting my my own children or or looking after their upbringing but uh sometimes like you said earlier we may be unaware of these things yeah. and it's just psychologically it's in our heads that oh this is the way that you should you need to be a parent uh and upbring uh, your your children and so you'll just copy that as well um more on this in just in just a short while but before uh, before we do so we do have with us on the line our last guest for the show Miss um, Sandra Robinson, Service Head of the NSPCC Helpline Development. Um, Assalamu alaikum peace be upon you. Good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show. Thank you very much. Good morning, Kiel. You're very welcome and thank you for being with us. Um, we're, we're talking about a very interesting topic, uh, as you would agree. Um, could you begin uh, kindly by enlightening our listener uh, on the important work of NSPCC and how uh, you've worked with others to prevent uh, and heal from verbal abuse?
3: Well, the NSPCC, if I talk particularly about one part of it, which is called the helpline. Mm -hmm. So the NSPCC has a helpline, which is free and available to anybody who has concerns for a child. And that might be that they want just some advice for themselves, or they want advice for a family member, or it might be that you're a member of the community, or it could be that you're professional. And it might be that some of your concerns are so serious that we need to think about getting other services involved, and that would be services like children's services or the police, where we think that there's something that needs to be investigated.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, could you kindly sh- share maybe some examples of verbal abuse that may be normalised and overlooked uh, in today's society as well? And I know it, it is. It, it, it the definition of this does change over time it's something which would be uh, seemed or deemed as uh, as verbal abuse 10 years ago maybe it- It wouldn't have. Or maybe another 10 years before that or a decade before that. um, That would be something which is completely normal. But obviously, as time progresses uh, and as we become more aware of the negative effects of these kind of things, the the definitions of these or the the translations of these would uh, obviously change over time as well. So maybe in today's society, what do you feel uh, are maybe some examples of this which kind of get normalized and overlooked?
3: But when we think of uh, verbal abuse and we think of children being emotionally abused, mm. what we're talking about is the impact that it has. What effect does it have on children when we have people who surround them, and they're the people who are supposed to love the most and care for the most, to either by their tone of voice or the words they use... or the the way they speak to them really causes them their harm and damage. Hmm. So that might be about the level of shouting, it might be the tone of voice, sometimes it's the absolute ferocity in the language they use. But there's also lots of things where children are being told that they're worthless, that they're not loved, that they're useless. So there's a whole range of of, of behaviours from adults who children love and trust. Which tell them that they're no good and then that makes them frightened and scared and feel really poorly about themselves and feel really bad. So, a lot of it, it isn't about a straightforward definition, it's about the way that children are spoken to. And, you know, when we talk to parents, we talk to lots of parents who are concerned for their and other children. We're not talking to parents who are the one off. Get upset or angry and might shout at the child. Yeah. We're often talking about where it's persistent and it's what the child comes to live with an experience.
0: Yeah.
3: And certainly, I've been at the helpline for fifteen years. And sometimes when we've talked to, uh, we've talked to people and these are neighbours who overheard things that have been said to children within their community and are actually horrified. And it's so upsetting when you see sometimes what are quite young children being spoken to in a way that, as an adult, you wouldn't accept being spoken to.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it's when it's a habitual thing, isn't it, like you said. Um, With the rise of gentle parenting, some argue that it is ineffective for challenging children. What's your opinion on this and what other approaches can be taken?
3: When we talk to parents on the helpline about... If they're struggling with how they parent, we don't talk about particular models of parenting Mm because we don't think that's helpful. What we talk about is, you know, what works well for your family. How do you, you know, and your family manage to, you know, what works well and what doesn't work well? There's some things that we obviously think you shouldn't do. You know, please don't hit your children. It really isn't effective. Yeah. You know, um, don't. Um, you know, if you are be listening and shouting at your children continually, it will affect how they feel about themselves. It will affect your relationship with them. But let's talk about what works well. So it is, you know, about how you can be with your children and manage their behaviours um, in a way that gets the results you need, which keeps your relationship. Um, really strong and healthy with your children but also gives children sorts of the right direction and the right boundaries that they need or are seeking and that would change depending on their age and their situation. Uh, you know w- it's different how you would parent a four-year-old to how you would parent a 14-year-old. Mm. So it is very much about talking to parents and about individual approaches and thinking about you know, what's their family culture, how do they work best together, what other supports are in place within your family. You know, sometimes you need to take a bit of time out. Is there another family member who can step in? So it is about having those broader conversations and helping parents to find a way through sometimes when they're struggling and, you know, when there's lots of other stresses that are around them. And it's about recognising those other stresses and where they need sources sources of support as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, no, most certainly, most certainly. Um, and, and, and lastly there, what, what steps should be taken by communities if they suspect someone is experiencing verbal abuse and uh, are there maybe any signs that one should look out for as well?
3: When we talk to families, people don't have a problem uh, spotting the signs. Mm-hmm. There's, there can be lots of other things that are happening within that family. But when adults are distressed, when they hear the way children are talked to, they're usually, you know, very concerned and wonder, is there anything they can or should do? You know, when the NSTC helpline, what we would urge people to do is contact us. If you're not sure, if you're not certain, if you just want to talk it through, you know, give us a call. You can either call us on 0808 800 5000, or you can email us help at nspcc.org.uk but don't sit on the worry and not sleep and be anxious and potentially leave the child at risk because sometimes that shouting and that verbal abuse can be symptomatic of lots of other things that are happening in that family and we'd want to talk to you about the abuse we'd want to talk about what was happening for the child and if there was any other things that you'd seen or heard that would make us concerned or worried for that
0: child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no. Some some very interesting things, and and you are very right as well. And uh, it's important that if anyone is uh, witnessing this when they when they talk to children, people in their community, uh, and they feel as if something is wrong, then then even if you're unsure, it's it's still good to just give a call. I mean, you, there's, there's, you're not losing anything by doing so. And if and if there is something there, then obviously that will be beneficial for the household as well. Um, thank you, uh, Sandra Robinson, for 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 being with us, for answering our questions, and sharing your insight into this very interesting topic, an important topic as well. Uh, thank you again. Uh, peace be upon you, and we hope you have a wonderful day ahead.
3: Thank you very much.
0: You take care. Thank you too. Bye bye. 0208-687-7878 is the number for you. That was Sandra Robinson, service head of the NSPCC helpline development, uh, sharing her thoughts w- with us. Some some very interesting uh, things over there that we've uh, we've learned from. Um, and uh, uh, what is that? I think um, the best thing. Uh, that we can possibly talk about when it comes to this important topic of upbringing our children is that Islam teaches us that this is something which it doesn't start when your child has uh, be- becomes i don't know what, naughty or, or, or mischievous or whatever word you want to call them mm. um or, or or whenever they become a bit difficult for for you to handle. Uh, and it is it's not even a step before that or of of when you're trying to 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 look after the moral upbringing islam takes his way, f- way before this yeah islam teaches us that even at the time of conception uh, there is a prayer that we, that we that that we pray as well and then when the child is in the womb there's, we believe that the uh, whatever the mother does has an effect on the child. And and scientists also believe this as well. That's why they tell you to stop smoking, drinking, look after your diet as well. Yeah. And uh, we, 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 we believe that at that time, I mean, there's, uh, there's uh, an incident of uh, the first caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community uh, in which he said that, I remember, uh, he, he narrates that, I remember that uh, my mother was reciting the, the Holy Quran when I was in the womb, mm. and uh, it, this had the 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 love of the Holy Quran was instilled within this notable individual uh, from such a tender age. Yeah. And then, when as soon as the child is born, there is the call for the prayer, which is done in in the ears of uh, of the infant. And then, and step by step, there's there's different things that we are to look out for, um, and different things that we need to do to to ensure that the moral upbringing is done in the best possible manner. Um, and so it's not about being reactive, that whenever the child has done something wrong, then you try to admonish them and you do this and you do that. No, it's about being proactive and and start way before uh, and that is exactly what Islam teaches us. Yeah, yeah. And there's a very notable book uh, that the second caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat mm-hmm. Abishiruddin Mahmud Ahmad, may Allah have mercy on his soul and be pleased with him. Um, he wrote, uh, which is uh, uh, Minhaj al-Talibin and this is translated as Way of the Seekers. And this gives so many beautiful examples of uh, what parents should be doing to ensure the best upbringing for their children and this is not just in regards to religious matters but it's about when to feed the child when to clean the child how to clean the child um how to speak to the child what kind of responsibilities to give to them and step by step things which parents should be doing um where where we can learn um the the uh, or, or where uh, children can flourish in the best possible manner um, and uh, I'd encourage every parent, even if you're not a parent, um, or you're a parent of of uh, of elderly children now, um, whatever stage in life you are going through, I'd encourage you to read this. Uh, And I can guarantee that it will most certainly be beneficial for you. And this is, like I said earlier, the way of the seekers by the second caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Um, And like we mentioned earlier as well, free of charge, you can uh, find this, download this on our website, www.alislam.org.
1: No need to enter your
0: email for any any spam emails either. Don't yeah. worry about that. <laughs> you can quote me on that. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, uh, um, mobiles. We spoke about one aspect of, uh, of, uh, of parenting in which it's your there's verbal abuse involved. There's there's shouting. There's taunting. Mm. There's all all of these different things. Let's look at the other spectrum uh, side of the spectrum, in which there's gentle parenting. what What is this, and what kind of a maybe a negative role uh, can this have on a child's development as well?
1: well um while the while the concept of of gentle parenting you know emphasizes empathy, um, communication, and a nurturing approach. It is important to strike a balance in, child, uh, in child-rearing. In extreme adherence to per- uh, permissive uh, parenting styles, where parents consistently avoid saying no or enforcing discipline, can indeed have uh, negative consequences on child development. Um, you know, and, and here are the potential issues you know, associated with um, a very gentle parenting style. Um, so, lack of boundaries and discipline. So children definitely need boundaries, you know, to feel secure and understand the expectations of their behavior. And without appropriate limits and discipline, um, children may they may struggle to learn self-control and socially acceptable behavior. Delayed social and emotional development. So setting boundaries and and saying no, are essential components of teaching emotional regulation. Children who do not experience reasonable limits may find it challenging to manage their emotions or cope with frustration, which can also impact their social interactions and emotional well-being. Entitlement and lack of responsibility. So, um, permissive parenting may contribute to a sense of entitlement in children. You know, if they're not held accountable for their actions and and, and they're not taught uh, responsibility, then they may struggle with understanding consequences and and respecting others uh, needs. Difficulty uh, adapting to authority. So children raised without clear expectations and boundaries at home, you know, they may face challenges adopting to authority figures in school and other settings. Learning to navigate rules and guidelines is 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 a very very important life skill. Impact on academic performance. So lack of structure and and discipline can affect a child's ability to focus, complete tasks and meet academic expectations. And these skills are crucial for success in a uh, in a um, structured learning environment. Safety concerns. Failing to to set and and enforce safety related rules. You know, they may impose uh, children to unnecessary risks. Understanding and following safety guidelines is very important. Uh, you know, and it's a very important aspect of parenting as well. Yeah, I mean, so it's 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 important to note that effective parenting, you know, it it, it involves finding a balance between um, you know the the nurturing and and you know setting appropriate boundaries. Children benefit from knowing that they are loved and supported while also understanding the importance of respectful behavior and self-discipline. Each child is, is, is unique and some of you would have more experience with it. You know, your your daughter would be different to how your son is. And parenting strategies should be adopted to their individual needs. Um, obviously, while, while making sure that you're looking after their healthy development. Parents can, can promote a positive environment by... Uh, combining warmth and communication with clear expectations and reasonable consequences for for actions. Mm. Um, So it's very important to to realise that, as we mentioned earlier, that being too strict, abusive and everything on a child is not good for their development. But also being too nurturing and loving, um, you know, they they will... um, not go down well with yeah. society in the future as well and it's important to um, bring these both hand uh, hand in hand and we see that some people you know uh, you know we were talking about breaking the cycle earlier on yeah uh, some people see that when their parents were a bit too strict on them they are too like open and free and and um, way too nurturing let's say to their children that even if they have done something wrong they've hit somebody else mm-hmm. they've hit another child they've stolen something They don't tell them off. They Mm. just leave them. They just let them be. Mm. And that is obviously not creating the right character and helping the child develop as a good person. Mm. That's why it's important to realize that instead of saying that, oh, I'm not going to be like my parents, it's important to realize that you need to be, uh, you need to try and and work better than them Mm. rather than saying, I'm not going to be like them. Exactly. They also were trying the same thing. They also were at their learning stage in life. What we forget to realize is that Parents are also learning as they are going through life with us. Yeah. And they are probably not picking up on the same things. And we are seeing things in a different um, different view from, from, from what they saw life in.
0: Yeah, no, no, most certainly. And it's it, it's essential to strike that balance, isn't it? I mean, Islam teaches us that moderation is key. Um, and this is in every aspect of life. It's, uh, whether we're talking about worship, which is the fundamental and primary duty uh, that we have as as muslims that we need to worship god almighty still is islam doesn't teach us to just go into deserts and jungles like monks to to, to pray for 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 days and uh, and nights rather it teaches us about the the the, the balance uh, of life uh, and similarly we can see that the, we, we talked about the the negative uh, impacts uh, associated with childhood verbal abuse um earlier the emotional psychological cognitive development behavioral issues relationship uh, impacts that it has and long-term effects and now you've just mentioned the 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 the, the effects that soft parenting uh, can also have uh, on uh, on on children and on their upbringing as well. Um, and so it's essential to strike that balance uh, in every uh, aspect of uh, life as well. Um, and uh, and with that uh, we are coming to an end for this show um, and uh, it is essential to 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 understand as well what Islam teaches us uh, in this regard. And remember, keep in mind as well that uh, what we mentioned earlier about every aspect of our life, we should always keep this example, uh, the the noble example of the perfect prophet, Muhammad, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, Mm -hmm. um, and try to emulate that within our day-to-day lives. And when we do that, we'll notice that not only will we be doing everything in a far more positive and constructive manner, but it will have an effect on the people around us as well. So if we if we act like the Holy Prophet Muhammad, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and our children see that, then they will also adopt those righteous deeds uh, as well. Our partner will also do that. Our friends, our family members, everyone around us will also um, do that as well. Um, and with that, uh, I'd like to uh, conclude today's show. Uh, and Jazakallah, thank you. May God bless everyone who was involved in this show, um, the uh, tech team, the researchers, the um, the producers as well. The researchers for this were Ariba, Sara Al-Nasr, Iza Nuzhat, um, and the producers were Isha Ahmed and Barira Shamsi. And uh, and of course the tech team as well, uh, um And the, the 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 two topics which are going to be discussed tomorrow as well. Do stay in for the uh, stay tuned for that displacement to dreams and Panama can, uh, can, uh, can, uh, can uh, canal drought. Sorry, uh, that's all the time that we have today. Uh, Jazakallah again. Thank you. Assalamualaikum. Here's nine o'clock news.